Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello, this is Ken Alston with the Circularity Edge podcast, and I am really excited today to welcome back a previous guest from almost exactly 13 months ago. It's Maria Costa from uh, from Bello, and um, we talked when you were in Brazil last time, and That's now right. you are no longer in Brazil. You've moved all the way to Birmingham in the United Kingdom. So that's that's exciting. I'm really anxious to um, hear about what's happened in that 13 months since we first talked about all the things you were doing with reutilizing materials and um, utilizing the great skills of the craftspeople back there in your your hometown originally. So so jump right in and, and fill us in on what's happened. Oh, thank you, Ken. It's such an honor to be part of your podcast again. And um, yeah, it's fun. I can't believe it's been like almost a year that we yeah. we had this podcast and so many things happened in that time. So I'm very excited to share um, all the learning girls, everything we've been doing so far. So I think the biggest news um, since we spoke is that now we are selling at Selfridges which for those who don't know, it's uh, one of the biggest department stores in the world and um, luxury department stores. So it's such an honor to have um, our bags that are made consciously with purpose uh, being, I I don't know the word in English, but being recognized as a luxury item. So- Yeah, great great word, great word. Yeah, I mean, I'm originally from England as you know, and um, Anybody who goes to London and uh, does some shopping or is going to go to Harrods or is going to go to Selfridges. And so to be right there in the heart of London in, uh, in one of those really you know, show-stopping types of um, retail establishment is, is a great achievement. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I think the other milestone that we are really excited about is that um, we reached 7,000 meals donated to Casa de Maria which is amazing as well, you know, because our business is focused on helping communities to thrive. And we know one of these ways is by supporting the charities and making sure that people have food on their plate. Um, so yes, with the Selfridges order and all of our sales, we reached 7,000 meals. Wonderful. Which, yeah, it's well, a, I, it's a I, I um. I spent an hour this morning re-listening to our original call from a year or so ago. And um, I was struck as I knew I would be. And when I, when I re-listened to it, you know, I, this came out in the, in the discussion that what you were talking about was way more than a product, way more than material reutilization. Of course, that was at the heart of the story of the making of the product. But you talked about um, between a, for anybody who didn't listen to the original podcast, you talked about having an awareness from your original time in the Amazon, from even when you were just six years old as a child, and talking about poverty and change in your community 
and um, improving impoverished communities. These were all phrases that just, you know, came out naturally in your conversation. And uh, this idea of the combination of waste and poverty was one of the things that attracted me to talking with you in the first place. Because I think, as we said at the time, the social dimension of sustainability is often the, the stepchild that rarely gets mentioned. It's, all, it's always mentioned as a thing, but it's not often mentioned as something that somebody's working on and actually yeah. doing something about. And so I think that achievement of, of getting both the, you know, tremendous improvements in reutilization of things that would otherwise be waste and allying that with, you know, feeding people, uh, well, you know, I can't say more than super congratulations. So, so well done. Thank but you. Give people a little bit of insight about just how, how have you managed to do it? I mean, I think this is the challenge that most people have is, well, there are hurdles and it's not easy and all of those things. How do you, how do you work your way around those things to end up, you know, moving from, from Brazil to, to the UK and being in a major superstore? So I think um, we have to go back to when we started Bello, which um, for us, what we understood at the time, because my business partner, Charlotte and I, we, we were always really helpless with the situation. I think for Charlotte it was a big shock because she's English and um, she never realized what poverty actually means when you go to a South American or, you know, a third world country for that matter. And we, you know, both of us, we were just, we just knew we wanted to have a career that had purpose and that could help change the situations that we saw because we always felt so helpless. Um, but when we started the whole business, we always, we were always, um, imposing is not the right word, but we always thought that we knew what the community needed. We knew what we had to do because we saw you know, like we, we studied, we, you know, we were studying for, for months before we actually put our MVP, the minimal viable product into action. And I think the period that we were um, working through our MVPs when we realized, okay, we're doing this wrong because we weren't able to connect with the community. And it was really hard for us to get things done because they didn't trust in us and we always assumed what they wanted from us. Um, so the first step for, I think for our, I, I don't wanna say the word success because we still, there is so much to do for us, but um, the, first, the first step for us to achieve our goals was to gain the confidence of the communities break the barriers and listen to them. Um, for us, our, our whole supply chain we manage, we, are, we own the whole supply chain of Bello. So I know exactly who works for us. I know their families. Um, I, and, you know, having this really close relationships really help us because with our seatbelts, for example, it was really hard to even get the scraps of seatbelts because in Brazil, people don't really trust anyone. So they're like, why these two girls want like my waist, like what are they gonna do with that? Is that a way, like, what am I not seeing? You know, how am I gonna gain something from it? And we realized at the time that it's not always money that people want. Um, so for us with our, with our mechanic shops, for example, we trade not only money, but also English lessons for their kids. Mm 
Yeah, that was um, a good story. I remember you telling last time. Yeah. I asked you directly, well, what did you what did you trade if you they didn't want money? If they were yeah. so trusting, they wouldn't even take money to give away something that previously they just burnt, I think, if I yeah. remember. And you so, said you know, English language. And so the, the idea of bartering is you know, it's not new, but it needs to be revisited. And as you know, I'm I'm working on a new digital platform that we we've been talking about in the in the background. And bartering is one of the ways you can you can use the platform. Yeah. It's not only about monetary transactions. And it that's what really I find important lesson to relearn, I think. Definitely. And that's what I find when we spoke about it. That's why I was so excited to, you know, about your platform. And I cannot wait for it to be live because I don't think people realize we're so focused sometimes on the money, but um, there are other ways that you can trade and you can grow and you can collab with other people, you know, to, to grow your own business. Um, so for us, I think that was step number one. And it's also because we, we gained the trust of these people. Nowadays, I think um, a year ago when we spoke, we were still not sure how we would grow our business in terms of, because we are a fashion business. We need to have um, options. We need to have to be, even though we are trend free, we still need to attract attract customers because um, like we, we spoke before, it you have to be sustainable, you have to be attractive as well as a, as a brand. So we were hitting the wall with like, we only, we were only able to get black seat belts and, you know, very restric restricted in colors until we, um, through our connections with the mechanic shops, we realized there are there is a huge industry of personalization of cars that we tapped into. So we were able to get really different, amazing colors. And that's what attracted Selfridges as well, because we had like a, a bunch of new, vibrant, exciting colors for the summer. And also we were tapping into like the own industry of seatbelts because with seatbelts, if they are one millimeter smaller, if there is one thread that is pulled, they have to throw a whole batch away. So you got a lot of seatbelts that just get burned, you know? So we expanded our, our um, sourcing capabilities. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons for us to be um, so attractive to companies now. And also what we're doing now is we are tapping into white labeling. So because we, we, we are now very much structured with our supply chain and our capabilities of growing and scaling uh, are huge, you know, there's so many seatbelts out there. And sometimes I wonder, even in our conversation, I said that I would love your platform because I have so many seatbelts and we still don't have the demand for the amount of seatbelts that we have. And I go crazy because I'll never throw anything away. So I just keep <laughs> them for the, you know. So we decided to start white labeling as well. And uh, we got- a, So you're a manufacturing company. for others, basically. For others, yes. Because we always That's thought cool. like, um, one of the things Charlotte and I realized is that we have such a beautiful thing going on. And we really want to advocate that for sustainability in a way that um, circular economy is our thing. But when people are so focused on materials, they forget about the communities. Mm -hmm. And we want to show that circularity needs to be applied um, to that's like you were saying, you know, the, the stepchild that never gets talked about. So you need to, to apply that to the communities. 
And if we grow that, we can grow the, the impact that we have in our community and also, um, you know, go to other communities in Brazil, South America, or any, or any areas that we can, you know, uh, replicate that model with white labeling that's possible because we'll be sharing our business model with other brands, you know, and that's, that's for us, that's what um, our business is about. We don't want to keep everything and be like a secret, you know, like the Coca-Cola um, recipe. We don't want that, you know, we want to share because the more people we're using our supply chain, the more impact we can make in the environment and also in, in the communities that we work with. So tell us about the, the training you did of the staff in, in Selfridges. What was that like to train the, to train the salespeople? And, oh, my God, I was crying. I was crying because I was so emotional, you know, thinking of uh, four years ago when we started the business, I would never think that we would be in this situation. And um, so what I loved about Selfridges is because they are very excited about us. And they love our brand, they love our story, and they really wanted to make sure that um, the staff knew exactly what it meant for us to have our business, you know, because it goes beyond the bag. We want the, our unique selling point, of course, is the practicality, the design, the colors, you know, how the material is so tough, it's vegan, but also there is a backstory because our bags are not just bags, they are, um, pillars of a community, you know, they are ways for people to get out of poverty, there are ways for us to clean the community to prevent flooding and so many things. And well, so, like you said, you know, you know the person and you know the family that yeah. actually made each bag. I mean, it, it yeah. isn't just like a, a production line where a million things no. drop off the end and go into a warehouse somewhere. Yeah, the real people doing real work with real families and, and yeah. real needs and situations to deal with. And I was really scared because I think, um, I think it's something I need to work on myself is to see that um, I'm always, I, I still have a lot of imposter syndrome. So I'm always like, oh my God, like, can't believe that we're doing a training session. Like, are they gonna like us? Do they think that it's going to be, you know, like a waste of their time? Like, oh my God, this brand and, we were received with so much love and they were asking questions. They loved it. They loved our brand, our story, the bags. Um, so it was a, a great morning to spend with them. It was in the beginning, I was a bit terrified because I've never done something like that before, but it was, it was an incredible experience for sure. Yeah, it's like going from zero to a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Right? You've gone from a very small startup to now being with one of the biggest and most well-known brand names. Yeah. The retail industry. Yeah. And for our artisans as well, because um, so when I was going there, I was on the phone with the um, like one of the managers of the cooperative and I was telling her, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to do a training today. <laughs> and uh, they got so excited. You know, they love it. Some of the artisans, they feel because I don't know if I ever told you this. So our bags are named after the people in the community. So, um, and each bag comes with the story of, of one of the artisans that make the bag. Um, so the girls, uh, the, the jewel bucket that we sell, the story is about Pachi and Fran. 
So they were loved. They were telling everyone. They wanted me to take photos, you know, like to send to them to see their faces, you know, because it's all in the text to see their faces in Selfridges. Nice. They absolutely love it. Well, there's a real human connection, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think that's one of the things that we, we've missed in the whole globalization and mass mass production of everything is you lose the connectivity to yeah. the soul, literally the soul of the people who are involved, you know. If you, it's, uh, so it's really, it's really good to, in a way, to go back. You're going back to the future to you know, use the old cliche of the, 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 the movie, you know. <clears throat> you're going back to basics with real people and real connections and real stories, uh, but it's also the future. Yes. It's true. Um, I think most of the people that I talk to um, think that bags are made by machines. Like they're just like robots, machines or whatever, yeah, making yeah. everything. And um, I think that's the idea that we have nowadays because fast fashion is so cheap and everything that we, you know, we can buy so many things so quickly and so cheaply, not only in fashion, but, you know, furniture, anything, you know, I'm, I'm just putting my house together. So I see... I have to police myself, like not to buy like the, you know, the cheap things because they're so attractive. Um, but we never understand that behind every single product that we buy, there is a person that worked really hard to create it yeah. um, because it's so cheap, you know, so we don't see the value. And um, I think the shift in that, um, you know, in that culture is the most important thing for us to, to progress as, as a, global community you know there are people behind it and we need to respect them you yeah. know respect and, them. and highlight them showcase them like you are yes give them prominence yeah we talked in the last session we did that you were beginning to think about you know what as you thought more about the circular economy um the idea of return and part exchange and things like that that was beginning to be part of the consciousness of you know where you where you evolve to. Mm -hmm. What's happening on that front? Yeah, so this is early stages for us at the moment, um, but now that we structure our supply chain, we have more time to think of what we do afterwards. You know, because it's important for us for our bags. You know, if that never happened because we're so young now, but you, you know, when someone doesn't want their bags anymore, if they can't sell it or if they break, if they tear down what you do with that bag, we really don't want them to go to landfill because we know that it's going to take hundreds and hundreds of years to decompose. So our idea now is to research ways that we can turn that bag into something useful for the community. And because we are in the UK, we are researching ways to make a positive impact here. So we start in Brazil when we finish in, in the UK. Um, we want to partner up with universities. We've been researching ways um, that we can, you know, partner up with people that can help us, you know, scientists or, you know, leaders in the community. Because in Brazil, for example, you can turn seat belts, uh, if you've tried them, you can turn them into duvets. So it's something to think about here. But like in Brazil, we need to understand the needs of the communities here mm -hmm. to then see how our bags can make the most sense, you know, most positive impact for the people here in the UK. What you're describing for me as I listen to you is, you know, the, the old maxim that I keep saying and reminding people of 
it's often again it's another of those things that's said but not often practiced and that's all sustainability is local so if you're selling your bags in london in selfridges then what happens next if that customer is still in the uk you know then what happens next is in the uk so it, yeah. it's completely logical to me that that's where you know you, you your thinking is going because the the circle ends or the next the next cycle starts again um, where the bag is, wherever that yeah. is. So that, that makes complete sense to me. I, in one of our previous conversations that wasn't on the, on the podcast, uh, we talked a bit about some of the other challenges that you see as you work in the industry. And one of those that struck me, and I know we're going to continue our conversation, you know, separately to this, um, was this idea of, individual designers who are trying their best to live up to these ideals of sustainability and include circularity in their thinking. But the practicality of just buying something and doing it within your cash flow as a young startup is very, very difficult. And you told me about you know some of the hardware that you buy or even even fabrics where minimum order quantities from suppliers are really out of the reach for many designers. Just the idea that you have a minimum order quantity of 200 meters or 200 yards or something of a, of a fabric or a certain number of items of hardware um, means that you, you bought more than you need, which it goes against the whole idea of sustainability, right? Which is all trying to be in harmony with only use what you need. Yes, definitely. I think this is one of the biggest obstacles that you have when when you're a small business or, and you know, you want to develop, especially in fashion, you always need something new. You always need something different, but it's so hard when you're small because you don't have that much money to experiment, especially with quantities, you know? Um, I think in a society that we live now, scalability is the most important thing always. Like you need, you need to scale and it means as well for raw materials. So when you're buying, you always need to buy, like, for example, the, even the recycled fabric that we uh, buy from um, a company in Brazil, they, they have minimums, you know? So we need to really be clever to understand how we're going to maximize the usage of the fabrics that we need. Um, and it's the same with hardware. So it's really hard for us to change our hardware, like if we want to do something different, because what, what is going to happen, like when you, you know, you need to order 200, 300 of the hardware to make sense um, financially. You only, you only want 50. Really. Yeah, and you only want 50. So yeah. it's it's one of the one of the biggest obstacles, I feel, uh, when you're designing something with purpose. And I think that's why it's so easy, you know, to not be, um, ethical or not being sustainable because you know it's working against you, isn't it? The system's yeah, you to do something it's, it's you don't so really easy. want to do. Sometimes Charlotte and I we see like the the things we go through. We're like, why did we choose this path? It'd be so much easier, <laughs> you know, because because it is it is easier to to take that route um, instead of the ones that we are now for sure. Um, so for people that are starting, I completely understand when 
you know, if when they take the easy road, even though for me, it would be lovely if everyone, you know, wanted to be ethical, but I understand because it is hard. And, but I think that your platform, for example, is a way that people can um, start that journey into sustainable circular design, you know, you can- Well, if we get enough people in a particular vertical market, so if we get enough yeah. you know, fashion designers like, like you and your company and others like you who are doing similar things, then, you know, you can buy your 200 and use your 50 you need. Yeah. And let everybody know, hey, I've got 150 of whatever it is, you know, and mm -hmm. someone else can, can then use the platform to say, oh, great, I'll take 50 of your, of your yeah. 150. And now, you, you know, you've, you've, you've recouped some of your money and someone else was able to get something that they couldn't yeah. otherwise afford. So this, this is the whole idea of the platform is to, is to connect people who wouldn't ordinarily, in the ordinary you know, day-to-day -day run of things get connected, <clears throat> but technology allows us to connect in ways we, we couldn't imagine before. And, um, it, you know, that other designer that's may or may not be in the UK, they may be in France, they may be at whoever, you know, where, wherever. Um, and although we want to keep transportation distances down for things, and, you know, because that's all another energy use, which is part of global warming, um, in the end, you know, the, the, the totality should be a net reduction because that, that other person isn't, isn't having to buy 200 things either. Yeah. But so it, it should still, and in, in the end, be, be better than it, it would otherwise be. So what, yeah. other, what other challenges are you, are you seeing, you know, just generally in the industry that really are crying out for a solution? Is there anything particular come to mind? I think for, um, for it, you know, I find it challenging, but this, this is how the industry goes, is the seasonal fashion. Mm. I find that very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, I understand, you know, that, um, you know, especially here, you have different seasons, you know, and, you know, like in nature, you know, you, you yeah, have yeah. winter and stuff, but I think that, um, when it comes to the seasonal fashion of now with TikTok, there are a lot of like TikTok trends and there are a lot of, um, so all these trends, all these things and, you know, people move on from stuff really quickly. So um, when you see, for example, um, a shape of a bag is, is in trend for a month, but then the next month is going to be another one. And I think I find that um, a little bit, I find, you know, for an industry that says that wants to be sustainable, that's not the way to go. So, um, you know, everyone needs to survive and, and to make money. But I think that pushing trends the way that people do nowadays, it's not very helpful for the environment, you know? So you can't say that you're sustainable once you're trying to push a new trend every two weeks. And then, you know, it turns viral on TikTok, people buy it, but then, you know, they get tired of it after a while. And, and um, yeah, I find that very problematic, you know, and for us, we really fight that. So we have, um, we only come out with once a year with a new model, but we keep, we always keep the same ones and really try to be as classic, as timeless as we can, because at the end of the day, we don't want people to throw things away. You know, we don't want yeah. people to,
even though like I was reading something about how problematic nowadays the secondhand um, industry is because people are buying so much and then they sell it so much, but it's just increasing the need for more stuff, you know, and they think, okay, I can just sell it, you know, like there is a huge secondhand. And just, I think increasing consumption is never a good idea, especially in the world that we live in, you know, I'm in the UK right now and it was so dry when I arrived that I thought it was autumn. Right. And, you know, the leaves on the floor and I was like, it's crazy, you know, and yeah, I think the industry has to, um, has to practice more than they preach at the moment, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's a major change in consciousness that we're trying to, to make happen across the world. And that starts with people, you know, first of all, getting the concept, right? And, and wanting to try and adapt and adjust um, literally their, their, their behaviors um, to be in to be in line with 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 the con more conscious you know approaches. So, so what's what's next for uh, for the company after Selfridges? What's your next uh, what's your next target? Can you tell us or? Um, yeah, we have. I can't tell it just yet, but we have something big coming for November, December, which we're very excited about. A very important partnership. Um, Good. And, well, let's, yeah, let's do another little that. quick. We'll do another yeah. little quick update in uh, towards yeah. the end of the year when you have some new news. It's another stop in the ladder for us of um, you know where we want to to reach because our biggest goal is to prove to people that waste can be beautiful. You know that you can um, wear something that was repurposed and still be luxurious you know it still be something fashionable and I think Selfridges was the first step this partnership that we have is definitely the second step and you know like we just want to grow to a point that people realize that you know actually waste is beautiful you know what what yeah. can we what can we um, well, eliminating waste is beautiful yeah eliminating <laughs> waste is beautiful that's it you know yeah. Well, I, I ought to, I'll talk to you, you know, outside of the podcast with um, some thoughts I have for Colombia because there are some connections there that um, might be valuable, you know, as, um, as part of your sourcing, but also with your idea of, you know, helping other people to start their own versions of what you're doing um, yeah. and, and, you know, continuing that sharing tradition that you already have. Well, thank you very much again for your time. I, I'm I'm always excited to talk with you. Your um, your energy is is contagious, and I'm just so happy that things are going from strength to strength. Thank you, thank you so much, Ken. It's always an honor. You know, we look up to you so much. So, thank you for the opportunity to tell my story in your platform. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, send me a couple of new pictures of the latest bags and we'll put them in with the podcast and then, yes. and then back to what you're doing at Selfridges. Thank you so much, definitely. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye, Circular. Circular.